0: WFAE's David Borax has the story. Tariq Bokhari and Larkin Eggleston call their
1: podcast R&D in the QC. Eggleston says they hope to reach people who may not pay attention to the council. Eggleston is 35 and a Democrat. Bokhari is a 37-year-old Republican. Despite their political differences, they bonded on the campaign trail, in part over their beards, says Bokhari.
2: The beards themselves are what truly united us in the beginning. They hope to be an example of how to debate productively across the political divide. Episode 64, Budget, Raleigh, and Zoning.
3: Episode 64, R&D in the QC. Uh, We are here on Thursday afternoon. Doing a little out of order this week, but we've had a busy week, lots to cover, wanted to get it all in, in one episode. So today, we have just, um, for all intents and purposes, put the budget to bed for fiscal year 2020. We'll vote on that in a couple weeks, but we'll talk about how we got here today. Uh, A few days ago, we were in Raleigh meeting with members of our delegation and state House and Senate uh, representatives and senators from across the state of North Carolina. That went very well. We'll talk about that, and I'll let you... uh, Peel back the curtain, we talked to a couple of folks from the North Carolina House while we were down there, interviewed them for the podcast, and then Monday we had a uh, a meaty zoning meeting. We'll cherry pick a couple of those out of our district that were a little contentious and talk about them, but it is 3.30ish uh, in the p.m. on Thursday, and we just, in a straw vote, which is um, not the official vote, but again, for all practical purposes, the budget is finalized now. Uh, we approved the budget, and I think we'd, we'll probably have – do you think we'll have unanimous uh, support for the budget when we vote on it at our business first business meeting in June?
2: I think so. It's hard to tell. It's been a weird couple of days budget-wise, but if you were watching, if you were one of the tens of uh, very, very political, nerdy people that were watching the live stream – We apologize. We looked, we're, one, we're sorry. Uh, two, you'll probably see it in the press. You might have seen it in the press yesterday uh, that um, – that there were some strange antics. Some may argue these were separate topics that kind of somehow coalesced into one. You can go back and be a judge for yourself, but the headline was city council gives themselves uh, a raise by cutting police training, by cutting police training, (laughs) clearly something you would imagine that I might have a little bit of a problem with or uh, any normal or, or, or other humans for that matter. Good point Larkin. So, um, I mean, it was, yesterday was really frustrating. I went in after working behind the scenes with several people, um, to, uh, today with the plan of making a motion to simply cut our process short, uh, and, um, and hopefully, you know, I'm not sure cut it short is the right phrase. What you, what you stop propo- it what before you they mess it up because well, we'd
3: already done it. So what you proposed was that, uh, that because there was an overwhelming majority of council that Felt really good about where the budget was at. At least seven
2: were there with where the budget was at. That we just
3: have the budget move forward as is. Now, cut to the the punchline, which is two hours later, we end up straw vote approving a budget that had one change... And it was $50,000. this is out of a $2.6 I mean, billion dollar budget.
2: probably used about $50,000 worth of staff, staff time, time to sit in that room. To sit and do that. So that's fantastic. But the point, the point of the matter is, if you're out there and you kind of follow this, you'll see two narratives. On one side was kind of the narrative I and then a few others that feel that way were saying, which is, you know – the budget process isn't like this last thing where we just got a piece of paper the other day and we've got one hour to read and do it. We've been working on it since a week we've ago. Been, yeah, since a week after we approved the 2019 yeah, we've budget. We've been working on this thing for almost a year, right? And it's about using those times, the meetings, all the things to get things inserted in strategically. It's not about when they give us the final qu- uh, responses to our questions from the meeting before that now it's time for us. This add and delete thing is like a what was forgot or... What was? Is there know, a typo? Yeah, is there a typo? Or was there something you tried to get through you couldn't and you want to make one last case? It's not for bringing things up from scratch for the first time.
3: Right. And we all have individual meetings with the manager on a monthly basis. We all have an assistant or deputy city manager that we work with on a regular basis. We all had one-on-one meetings with budget staff uh, in the last couple of weeks. We've had this proposed budget for nearly a month. I mean, this this is not something that just uh gets thrown together at the last minute and so there were actually some things that were discussed that very well might have had merit one what was brought up was um, trying to bring a new uh, fire company online before the new station that we're working on is done that is probably a conversation worth having
2: but it's not, not a convers- brought up when <laughs> we have to make a decision on it no one's heard of it no one knows if it's needed or not it probably is needed but I mean it's it's These the same have case to I made in I love uh, James Smudgy Mitchell very much he's he's great economic development guru guy but the case I made to him was he brought up the the women's business resource center as for this the $50,000 we ended up approving right and I brought it up to him I was like I'm not opposed to that topic what I'm saying is there's a process for this it was months ago that I first saw an initial list of our uh, our our business partners and our third parties that we do this stuff with. I mean, we had time to do it, bringing it up. Now I can make a great case for why um, that or any other group uh, is, is, is warranting that. But like, you're not making it on that single basis. You're making it on all the others that applied and also didn't get grants. So
3: it's but for that fifty thousand dollars, which again is you know considering a two point six billion dollar budget, and we meet for we spent ninety minutes talking about what we people wanted to do, and then no one no one else wanted to do what any of the people wanted to do. It was that a lot of the things were just like that one person voted for it. Essentially, you were just at the beginning pointing out that that's exactly what was going to happen was that if the majority of council thought that the budget was right the way that we had it when we started at 1 p.m. today, then no one, then those people weren't going to want to change it, which they didn't, and they wouldn't. So why go through this exercise of and, and everyone dreaming, yes. dreaming up a toy and then the, the, are so not getting I it? I had two
2: points. One was exactly that, right? We're going to end up to that same conclusion, same thing we did last year, irritating. But the other point was it's just like yesterday <laughs> where we're giving people the chance to say slightly different irritating to crazy things that are going to make the headlines. And that's going to be the headline, not a great budget this year that the manager and staff put together, but rather that I actually think
3: all 11 of us probably agree agree with that. But but, but then
2: it's, 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 and we saw everyone make a beeline to Lawana at the end of the meeting all the media people to get there we know what the headlines are going to be tonight once again council tries to take money from cops to ra- give raises for themselves and while that was brought up and that is irritating and it was terrible that wasn't the underlying consensus of what happened but the more time we have for these things to pop out there the more we all get a black eye because of here's it
3: here's my here's my request to our uh, friends in the media that that watch or listen don't cover
2: it <laughs> well no
3: i don't mind people covering it i just I think that if I think it's a small distinction, but I think it's a significant distinction that when something like that is said, that it's written as council person proposes as opposed to council proposes. Yeah. Because I mean, we know that a lot of people are going to look at the headline that their friend shares on Facebook, and they're not necessarily going to click and read the article. Or in some cases, they might even hit a firewall and not be able to read an article. Um, so the narrative last night was that. The city council had, like, kind of collectively thought this was a good idea. Well, of course not. It had been said, it was pointed out in the moment that it was a bad idea. But so I think it would have been important to say, uh, council member p- proposes whatever defunding training to totally pay salaries because uh, that was not the council that was a person. But anyway, we got the, I mean, I, and that's the the other irony is I do think that it'll probably be a unanimous support of the budget. It's still revenue neutral. We'll see.
2: There's some anger. There was some anger. In yeah. But I think
3: that this checks 99 out of a hundred boxes for most people. I mean, it's never going to be exactly the way everybody wants it, but um, it doesn't raise revenue at a time where that would be really difficult, particularly on many people in my district, um, but people across the city. Uh, it does though expand uh, in certain areas to meet needs that, uh, we've outlined as our priorities over the course of the last year, not just in the course of the last month. I, so. I'll, I'll
2: say one other thing on this and that is, and I don't, you know, I'm not trying to get back on this soapbox cause I've had to stand on it a lot over the last two years, but like we really need to be careful and more cognizant of how and when we keep throwing our police officers, officers, and our chief under the bus. For political gain, for headlines, for budget advancement, whatever it is, because, you know, whether it's none of us show up and we've talked about this during police week to the event for reasons that are explainable yet I feel bad about, all the way to, you know, we say you need more training cops and we have to hold you accountable, but then in the budget we make a case, not we, a person or two make a case to cut it. This impacts their morale. This hurts an already bad retention and recruitment situation that we're in. And, I mean, we're lucky to have a chief in Kerr Putney who is hanging around and still doing this. But you can see it on his face. <coughs> he is – I mean, he is about at the end of his rope. And it's not for himself. He knows he's about to roll off into the sunset and do his thing. It's for the – it's for all the men and women that are looking up at this and saying, God, th- this is the – this is what – the leadership that's above me, how they feel about me. I mean, we've got to start being more cognizant of that.
3: I will note too, because there was some media coverage late last week, as, as you alluded to that, we haven't had a chance to cover. Oh, we, we haven't didn't even do talked our, about our normal Monday okay. podcast. So I will just say there was a story. The chief was frustrated that um, no council members were at the, ceremony on friday i believe it was at the church the memorial service we did not receive information about when that was being held so there actually was an event that night that several council members and the mayor were at um that was the police community relations awards and so several of us were there along with the mayor but no one was aware of the the memorial service chief didn't know that we didn't know about the service um so again i mean it's We've got to be. We've got to create better systems to make sure we are being made aware of those things. And, and we I have gone and sure we
2: gotten up people's rear ends to make sure that but, never. But happens anybody again. that
3: thinks that we all got that invitation and just said, "Nah, none of us care," is that that was certainly not how it went down. And Chief has been. He you and know, I have talked about it. He's aware now that we didn't know that that was taking place. So, for anybody who read that story, just yeah, know but that that's. It,
2: it doesn't mean he didn't have the right to be frustrated. Oh, I'm not I, trying yes, to throw anybody but, under the bus. But on that specific last year detail, at the same event,
3: I was the only one there. But on that specific detail, that is a crucial part of that. Story. That
2: was just, yeah, it is. But that was just one straw on the back that that, that broke it in the end.
3: Kevin uh, Poirier on the live stream just asked you about your reference to Chief Putney riding off into the sunset. Uh, Kevin, it has been stated that he will likely uh, roll off late 2020. I think he was. And retire. I think that the the he's staying at through least the, the perception convention.
2: Was he was set to retire, but then he agreed to stay on through the convention to make sure. That, continuity that was uh that was you know run properly
3: um so the budget is it's it's a good feeling to have that pretty much put to bed um that is the single biggest thing we do each year and so it takes up a ton of time and um glad to be able to move on to uh to some other important stuff we've got in front of justin
2: us justin harlow walking by did, ju- did just Justin? <laughs> uh, hold on a sec got your hands full there but come on in here for a sec we're live streaming
3: say
1: live hey, stream and say, say hello to people. everybody just
2: to just get, give a quick shout real quick for what you thought of today's budget process
1: you know we, we got a 2.9 or uh, 2.7 billion dollar budget um, we spent a good three hours unfortunately today discussing fifty thousand dollars <laughs> of that um, there was an opportunity at the beginning of the meeting to to really kind of quickly move through it since on the whole there's Good consensus, as we saw three hours later um, on this budget. But uh, you know, we had to go through our process of, of, of discussing a lot of things, figuring so in, out ways. So, in to... case
3: you think Tark and I just cherry pick, this literally, man literally just walked down the hall. We grabbed him, and he repeated the exact same thing that we said. Yes. Um, so,
1: this is a uh,
2: fifty yeah. grand. We did it
1: unfortunately uh yeah we, we we spent a little time that was wasted today but uh you know maybe next year we'll we'll get through a better process kudos though to the ma- to the manager and his staff um, for giving us a budget where we don't actually have to uh you know go through so many steps uh this was really comprehensive it was a different format in the budget book this year and i, I think uh, going forward we've got a better opportunity to to really outline how um how we're spending our dollars and so thanks to the community input as well
2: justin harlow ladies and gentlemen
1: <laughs> you, you about broke into your uh, Bill Brasky voice there. Bill
2: Brasky, Justin Just Harlow.
3: Harlow,
2: one a, time m- a man voted, among men. <laughs> he voted on a budget and spent two hours on fifty thousand dollars. No, he's right.
3: That's Me. not something Bill Brasky would do. The Bill we, Brasky would know Bill better. Um, all right, so we budget. went to Raleigh on Tuesday. Yeah. Raleigh. We went down there with Dana Fenton, the city's lobbyist, and had meetings. Back to back to back from 10 a.m. to like 4:30 p.m. and then what's
2: going on? Went with to that a cough, reception. Buddy.
3: I don't know, but I think it's contagious. Oh, that's um, great.
2: Hope my wife's not watching.
3: Went to a uh, went to a reception that the Charlotte Regional Business Alliance put on. I got to spend some time with many of our legislators from Mecklenburg County there. And uh, it was a, I think it was a fruitful trip. We met with uh, some of the usual suspects. Uh, we'll, in a minute, cut over to interviews well, we did. let's take
2: a quick second and do some post uh, live stream magical editing and jump down to one of our interviews we did live on the scene. Let's throw it over to Tarkin Larkin talking to Representative Torbit, one of our good friends.
3: John Torbit of Gaston County. Take it away.
2: Uh, welcome back to R&D in the QC. Tark here. At Larkin, how are you? I am well. We are with our
3: good friend, uh, State Representative John Torbett of Gaston County.
0: Mr. Uh, Representative Torbett, welcome to the show.
2: Welcome to the show, sir.
0: Thanks. Great to be here, guys.
2: So one quick question for you. Since we're in Raleigh today, pestering you learning all kinds of stuff. You're a transportation guru. What's your update for the, the citizens of Charlotte, North Carolina, the millions that listen to this podcast? What's going on right now that you're focusing on?
0: Well, the big thing up here is that we're changing the state logo to the orange barrel. Just <laughs> just kidding. We're not actually doing that. But we're trying to get as many projects out there for people in North Carolina that we pop the can across the state. Uh, a couple of years ago it was 400 a year, up to 1,800 a year now. So we're, we're rapidly progressing and just taking care of the needs of the people in North Carolina.
3: You were also just telling us about a big win for our friends and neighbors in Gaston County and our friends at Belmont Abbey. Um, tell us about that. You got a big health care announcement just yesterday.
0: Yeah, uh, got a call from the folks at Caramont saying, stay tuned. There's a big announcement coming. It came over $350 million investment, largest investment in my knowledge ever in Gaston County, uh, providing health care, uh, the provisions of health care to the people in North Carolina that, that, that need that. Uh, healthcare healthcare addition. It's going to be great. It's going to be sitting on Abbey property. Uh, kudos to Abbey for working it out. Kudos to Caramont. Uh, upward and onward, guys.
2: And um, we've talked with you several times in your office here about the importance of the 74 corridor, um, Asheville to Charlotte to Wilmington. I mean, from your perspective, a transportation expert, why is this such a generational importance to to transportation in the region?
0: Sure, Larkin, you'll like this too, because what I'm calling that is I'm calling it our
2: wall between us and South Carolina. <laughs> that makes me like that makes me like it less. <laughs> so we got to build that wall. I was percent. I was with you there until you can lost we, me. A wall. Can we make South Carolina pay for it? Yes, we can. We will.
0: <laughs> no, seriously, we we need to. Uh, decrease the time it takes to get from I-26 coming out of the mountains all the way to our Port of Wilmington for an economic catalyst that would just absolutely just erupt for, for anywhere along that corridor. So as much as we can to get 74 complete, so we reduce the times. And did you know that it would almost cut your drive time from I-26 to Wilmington by an hour? Amazing. With, with the roads that we're talking about. So we just yeah, anything we can do to help get that done.
2: Well, it's a happy birthday to you, Representative. It is, it is, it is. What, what are you today? You're 90, 42? <laughs> I'm, I'm
0: 63. I, my IRS says I could go home and they would send me a check.
2: That's amazing. Well, Some sir, people want me
0: to do that, as a matter <laughs> of fact.
2: We appreciate your service. You're always uh, so welcoming to us every time we come up here. And, Charlotte, appreciate your great work, especially on transportation. Thank well, you.
0: All the best, folks, in Charlotte and Gasson.
2: Absolutely. All right, we'll be back. And we're back, Larkin. What did you think about that conversation?
3: I don't don't remember exactly what we talked about two <laughs> days ago. That's, right.
2: That's a good point. <coughs>
3: but I assume that it went well, and um, I'm glad that uh, that everyone got to listen to it again. And um, now maybe we can we can teleport back to Raleigh. And we can send it into the uh, into the cave of Representative Jason Sain.
2: Representative Sain, we're going to toss it to the field to you, sir. I'm serious. And welcome back to the show. Uh, R&D in the QC, myself, my trusty sidekick Larkin. I'm not your sidekick. And we've got none other than Representative Jason Sane here in his amazing bunker office. Welcome to the show, sir. Thank you, sir. I feel like prestige worldwide. I am on the podcast that everyone listens to. I mean, this is Including the podcast. It's,
3: exactly. It's the number one political podcast about municipal government in Charlotte. Uh, recorded so, out of the government center yes we yes. are number one in that category
2: so tell everyone um a little bit about uh just what you're focusing on right now
3: so right now
4: as the house got finished with our budget a couple weeks ago it's been nice it's a little calmer these days around here so we're starting to look at the bills like uh, like fintech that you and i are mm-hmm. talked about working on and, and some of the other things we worked on some firefighter cancer bills Some of the things that we're pushing over to the senate uh, and then we'll get down to the nitty-gritty here in the hot days of the summer working on on a lot of policy we'll get to the budget the governor's going to veto the budget. We know that's going to happen. He's already said he would. Uh, so then we'll get back to budget negotiations
3: for the rest of June, which should make for a great summer. And I think a lot of our listeners will appreciate that there's also a bill came out of the house that is on modernizing our very antiquated alcohol system here in the state. What are the prospects for that? And what are a couple of highlights of what that bill would do? Well, I always say about our ABC laws, if you like consumer choice,
4: then you're in the wrong state. Uh, so, no, it, it, this is badly needed. Uh, again, it's it's very antiquated. The laws that are in place uh, put forth in a time that was much different from the days that we live in today. Uh, people are a lot more mobile. Uh, we've got folks coming in from uh, you know many different places that expect a little bit of different uh, uh, access to, to things that they enjoy. So looking at the laws currently, modernizing those laws, making sure that uh, you know, we will we will always regulate alcohol. That's that's what states do. That's that's what counties do. That's what cities do. But but we will we will look at at what we have currently on the books, find ways to modernize that, make more sense, allow consumers more choice, uh, and then and then see what happens. But I think we have support this year. Um, that's why you kind of see this bubbling up. That it's a different body. Uh, folks have a lot of different opinions on it, but I think we're in a good place.
2: So one other question before we go. Um, how would you describe, after now several months in, the difference in dynamic up here that the supermajority's gone?
4: So here's what's been odd to me. With with such a heated political climate, it's actually been a lot more calm. Uh, even the, the debates on the floor, you haven't seen uh, the heated debates as, as often uh, between the, the Republicans and the Democrats. So that has been a change, uh, I think, at least for the positive and, and for the good, that uh People have enjoyed a, a little bit more calmer atmosphere. Even when we disagree, it's a lot more agreeable, which is, seems counterintuitive to the fact that they, when you look at the makeup of the body, you would think that the closeness in, in numbers would, would make it more contentious. But in, in many ways, it's, it's a lot more friendlier. Is it going
2: to change the way the budget, season, and process is going to work?
4: I, to an extent. I mean, it, it has to, right? Because there's, there, you don't have supermajorities that are just going to pass what they want. Uh, so there'll be negotiation. There'll be folks, uh, you know, a little bit of horse training going on. This is politics. It's what we do. And so we'll, we'll see how that ends up. It, it'll, like I say, I kind of joke, but it'll be a long summer. We'll get to a place where we'll, we'll get to a negotiation.
3: Representative Sane, we certainly appreciate you joining us on the podcast and tell the good people in Lincoln County that R&D and the QCH said hello.
4: Appreciate you guys. Uh, love being on the show. Love listening. So thank you.
2: All right. back again this was very strange for the live live stream stream, audience probably made no sense you'll have to tune in on the podcast on uh, wherever you get your podcast at 11 p.m on on mondays um so overall how would you describe the day we had and and let me start by by answering my own question larkin um i think that thanks for asking i think that uh (laughs) that it's really important and we've heard this Uh, from a lot of the the folks that we've gone up there to see we started by meeting with our delegation. And then we've now in these trips, we go like once every, you know, two months or so. And now we're meeting and, and introducing ourselves and developing relationships with those outside of our delegation. Those we had a in,
3: very fancy lunch with Representative Brandon Lofton from uh, Mecklenburg You know, County. I've
2: never eaten, uh, you know, by- With an elected on, official on purpose purpose at a children's museum? At a children's museum, like where you weren't going to the children's museum. That's like the only place to eat. And yet you run into friends there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so that was interesting. Uh, but- And yet still better than the legislative office building cafeteria. We keep hearing that going up there when you don't need something, but you're just trying to mend some bridges that have been burnt down in the past, develop the relationships. I think that's really important. And, you know, we talk about initiatives on our agenda, like the 74 corridor, you know, many other things that, um, we get updates, we get, uh, you know, little tidbits of angles. We might be able to figure out how to, how to make something happen there. So I think it's really valuable. What do you think?
3: Well, one of the things, and I won't, uh, I won't name names here, but I thought he was kidding the first time he said it. The second time he said it led me to believe he wasn't, uh, but we were in a particular Senator's office from a different part of the state. And um, he said, well, I don't usually meet with Democrats. And and we all kind of laughed. And then later when he said it again, I was like, Oh, he was serious. And so I think that was probably the mayor uh, was very intentional in saying we're going to have a bipartisan front to this committee because you will have a foot indoors that I might not be able to get my foot in and vice versa. And so I think that, that helps because even if they're skeptical of one of us at, at the beginning, you've got the foot in the door. And once we
2: have our feet in the door, man, can't help but love us. I mean, huh. we're just fun to be around.
3: Not sure 100% of
2: people feel that way, but 80% more than of the 50. people love us every time. I don't, yes. Facts. Okay. Well, that was a good trip. Um, and um, Dana Fenton can't drive. I. <laughs> So our lobbyist is, our, uh, is quite. I mean, he, let's give a the, shout out to our lobbyist right now,
3: Chess McDowell, oh. the other lobbyist. Yes, Chess. Um, First
2: of all, Dana Fenton, awesome. Everyone over there loves works him. Here, loves works him. here at the government Sets center here in knows,
3: knows every detail and every history of, of how things have gone down, and uh, gives us heads up on potential pitfalls and things that are are people's um, pet interests or whatever. Uh, but I haven't been carsick. Terrible. Since I was like 10 years old.
2: You asked him, how many accidents have you been? And he in? wouldn't answer. And he was like, mm, carry the three. He was like, I, I don't, I'd rather not say I, That's I, thought, I, my eyes.
3: I, I got nauseous on the drive down there and I was sitting in the front seat Ugh. and looking straight out the windshield and yeah. somehow he made me car sick. So that was miraculous. That happened. Um,
2: and, and then old Chess McDowell. For those of you who know Chess McDowell, you know that for those of you who don't, this
3: isn't going to make any it sense. It isn't,
2: but he's a lot like Bill the Bill Brasky of uh of the General Assembly.
3: So that if if I could encapsulate Chess McDowell in one story. He goes into a bar. We we he walked into a place that does not serve food. Told him he wanted beef jerky, and <laughs> one short order beef jerky was produced for him. Uh, and that is chess in McCallum no way an exaggeration or a euphemism. A cup yeah. of beef jerky was set in front of this man in a place that does not serve food. That's so amazing. Um, that's, beef jerky. So chess if, McDowell. If you like uh, beef jerky, men among men, you'll like Chess you McDowell. Don't like,
1: <laughs>
3: uh, I don't know if Chess listens or not.
1: Yeah.
3: Um, but yeah, good trip to Raleigh and Monday. We had a zoning meeting mm. and, um, turns out everyone thinks that the 17th largest city in the country with 60 people a day moving to it should have tons of R3 zoning where only three dwellings can be built per acre. And if you try to change it from that to anything else, they will fight it.
2: Well, so listen, and I went, uh, so I had two very controversial hearings that we now have the 30 day clock ticking on to figure it out before we vote. And uh, I went to uh, one of them, um, uh, one of the groups uh, right off of Providence um, House and sat down with a bunch of them. And I, th- I think the point that maybe I walked out of there with a little more perspective on is I walked into that meeting thinking, all right, you know, it's what they want is important. I get how it's important. To them, but this is just small. This is just, you know, we're talking about, you know, four or five versus six or seven units. But I walked out of there with a real perspective, a better perspective on just how important small things are to those that we perceive as small when putting them in, in parallel with something else like hundreds or thousands of units and different things, just how big of a deal it is for them, how passionate they are. And you've, you've just got the best thing people like us can do that are going about doing this the right way is put in the work, sit side by side with them, figure out the nuances, try to broker a mutual win-win at the end of it where everyone feels like they got a a, a better deal than um than they would have otherwise without working together so i had one that was i think r3
3: or four i don't know what it was they were essentially by right they could build four units but they want to build eight um so maybe it was like r3 to r6 or something on an acre and a half and and I have no qualms with adding density in, in most parts of my district. I think we've got to. Um, my district is pretty accessible to transit. It's pretty accessible to job opportunities, uptown, all that. So it makes sense to create density in, in most corridors of my neighborhood, or in my in my district. And this actually is kind of in my neighborhood. It's in the Commonwealth Morningside uh, area right across the street, Central Avenue from Plaza Midwood. In this case, though, the issue that I and and many neighbors had was that they wanted to build these in – the floodplain, and we have spent—I say we—local government has spent years buying up property in floodplains throughout this city and county, uh, and it's why we've been recognized as being way ahead of the curve. If you remember some of the severe flooding in Houston, one of the problems was that they had had been creating so much impervious surface, they had been building so fast, they had not really been planning for. Um, mitigating some of stormwater issues and things like that, and so then it took what would have likely already been a problem and exacerbated it. We've spent all this money trying to get ahead of that problem, and now we're letting people go back into um, building in and around floodplains. And I, I don't know. So I, the interesting thing was that we were presented with information. And I thought, I hope this doesn't make me look dumb, but I don't understand this. And I said, does anyone else not understand this? No one understood it. So this guy put like FEMA statistics in front of us. And I've since talked to several people well, in the he, audience. He, yeah, he really
2: overcomplicated. I, I don't fully get what he was saying, but he made it as complicated as he could have.
3: So I do think that we need to have, because this isn't going to be, we have creeks throughout this city. Um I'm sure that every district is liable in a year's time to have projects that are along creeks, around floodplains, in low-lying areas. So I do think that's something, and you know, we we have gotten away from, though I think we're bringing them back now, these Monday power hours that are like lunch meetings on Mondays when a lot of us are here, to give us kind of a 101 or 201 on some of these topics. I think that is something worthy of us getting more education on, because uh, in this instance at first glance and just kind of my gut reaction is I don't want to increase density in and around floodplains, but I need to have a better way to delineate what's appropriate and what's not. And I don't think right now I'm equipped with the knowledge to do that. And mm. I don't know if you feel like you are, but I no. um no. it's not something we've really had to tie. We talk about stormwater a lot, but usually it's more like on repairs and stuff, not more of the proactive way that you have to go about um, trying to prevent flooding and things like that. The other one I had was, um, in the Belmont community, you'll recall there was one that staff actually is opposed to. And then the neighborhoods kind of split on it. It's a corner lot, three single family houses that would be replaced with a, I think 30 unit, um, 30 unit multifamily uh, complex. And it's, you know, originally that was going to be 65 feet tall. Now it's only going to be 49. It's, you know, and it's in it's caddy corner from other multifamily. It's right near the uh, Cross Charlotte Trail. It's within like six tenths of a mile of the light rail. So it's not right on top of a light rail station, and there it is mixed among single family housing. So I think it's the push pull that we're going to experience for as long as we're on council, which is a lot of these first ring neighborhoods around uptown. How much do they? How much are they going to continue to be single family versus transitioning to more multifamily? In, increased density as we go forward and people keep moving to the city and they have to live somewhere
2: the fundamental question that has to be answered here is um it is more density more height the only answer across almost the board for a city that's growing at the rate we are or are we going to somehow you know go towards the other side of the argument which is allow neighborhoods to kind of have a major input into their area plans, which everyone wants density and height and all the things that you need, as long as it's in another part of town. And I don't mean to minimize anyone's feelings and and everyone's got a kind of slightly different explanation. And if some, by the way, if something comes up in my backyard, I'm probably going to feel the same way. Right. That's the, the flaw in this entire thing, which is, you know, what is the right thing? And if the right thing is indeed more dense, more hot height, you know, how how do you do that without kind of seemingly saying this is how it's going to be everybody. So, and I I think I've said it before on the show, I'm
3: living that right now. My, the parcel next to me used to be one single family house and one duplex. And now it's six single family houses and, Eight now, is townhouses. that why all
2: the coyotes are running through there all the time? I seen them lately. Or is that your big uh, beef jerky plant that well, you're in the backyard? Well, it turns out, actually, Chess,
3: McDowell when, I Chess showed, McDowell, when I showed him the picture of what I thought was the coyote that I always talked about running next to my house, he told me that it was some sort of a fox. Well, I'm I assume try. he knows. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> Definitely. I think he said it was a gray fox. So Chess uh, McDowell
2: stared at a coyote one time and turned it into a fox. Man, really you do sense. it better than me. Give, give me yeah, one. Well, oh, give the people one. You're being shy. But Work into it.
3: Um... So I, I understand the the headaches that come along with development, particularly right on top of you. But two of the things that I'm kind of coming around to in the way that I look at these things, people generally come to us and are fighting density. I think we need to be more concerned with form than density. So in this case, the one in the Belmont community, I think there is a, I think there's an important conversation to have about the height of one structure and how it relates to the height of the structure next to it. Because if you've got a 25 foot, you know, tall little craftsman house and somebody builds something that's 80 feet tall next to it, that's pretty overwhelming. I think it's less important how many people live in that 80 story in that 80 foot thing. So to me, I want to help try to say, let's get these heights more in line. So Unless you are feel you're like
2: concerned about
3: congestion. Someone's towering over you. Well, but look, when you're getting into the first-ring neighborhoods where people can bike to work, they can walk to the light rail, or they can even scoot into uptown and get to their office buildings or they can get on the Cross Charlotte Trail.
2: They can even ride a a, what are those? a tandem bicycle. A tandem bicycle, like that references the so one bike. Apropos not of nothing, two. but if you go yeah. to
3: Charlotte Squawks, you might figure out what it was uh, what it was about. Um, so I, I think we've got to, particularly in those inner city neighborhoods, I think we've got to allow the density, but maybe be sensitive to the height and the form and the massing that, um, that's, that's one of the things I've kind of started to formulate as a, a guiding principle. But the other is people are rightfully, and I've, we've got one teed up in Dilworth and we've got one teed up in Belmont and I'm sure others where people keep pointing at these, uh, area plans. And they say, look, we spent a lot of time. Some of literally some of them um, themselves spent a lot of time on these area plans. And They go, why did we spend all this time on this area plan? And then it's not followed. Well, part of the reason that that is, is because when those area plans were adopted, the council didn't then go and codify that area plan by changing the zoning in that area. Yep. And so. And I, I got in this discussion with somebody the other day, and they said, "There's that's never been the political will to to change zoning to align with these area plans. And I said, then what's the point? Yeah, that's
2: called a lack of political what's, will. Right. That, what's the point of the area plan? Yeah. Because
3: if it doesn't have teeth, if it's not codified, no one's going to follow it's it. It's simply
2: something there. It's an aspiration. To use... Almost in the negative when you're fighting something for the most part. It's just an aspiration. Yeah. It's it's a hope and a dream. It's
3: not a plan because it doesn't have teeth. And so when they said, well, no one's ever had the political will to do that, I said, well, this council has because we're about to rezone a ton of parcels along the light rail in this TOD rezoning later on this year. Which
2: will be our final action before (laughs) uh, never serving in office again. (laughs) But it's... But it needs to be done. You've
3: got got to codify these plans. We made a TOD plan. We said, this is what it should look like along the light rail. And now we're actually going to put law behind it, zoning behind it that says it has to be built this way, not we hope you build it this way. And so I think that that's the frustration is these area plans, the zoning that's there, someone could build something by right tomorrow that would completely not comply with the area plan and there's nothing we could do about it. So it's a false perception that, We're choosing between what's being proposed here or keeping with the area plan because someone can already build without keeping with the area plan because they didn't change the zoning back when the area plan was created. So that's been one of my biggest frustrations is don't, don't have a bunch of your citizens spending tons of time on a plan and then not
2: give it any teeth. Yeah. Agreed. So that was fun. So we've had a great, fun, relaxing week this week. Nothing irritating at all. Um, What do we got here from Carolyn. That's not everyone, though. All of it is part of a strong, viable, sustainable neighborhood and community. The number of people in one, when combined with others, does have a negative impact. Thank you for the okay. comment.
3: Um, what do we got coming up? Uh, so, what's uh, Voting on a noise well, ordinance it's it's memorial, soon. <laughs> it's Memorial Day on Monday, so we yeah. will be having our normal business meeting on Tuesday of this yeah. coming week and um and so people will people will oh so you, you'll well, you'll hear us on tuesday i'm really glad i just thought of this though uh, you and i have a joint town hall coming up in about two weeks that's right less than two weeks that's on right tuesday june 4th um mr bakari and i are hosting a joint town hall you've heard us talk about the music everywhere clt initiative that we've been involved in um, with lots of other stakeholders and, and industry folks and we are having a town hall with several of them at the Neighborhood Theater on Tuesday, June 4th from 7 to 9 p.m. Uh, they've just created a Facebook invite. I'll share that on the R&D and the QC Facebook page if you want to click interested and, uh, and keep that on your radar. We'd love for people to come out, we're going to have some snacks and drinks, and then probably hang out in NODA afterwards with anybody who wants to. And hopefully uh, maybe go with some folks, either stay at the Neighborhood Theater or go to the Evening Muse, and here's live music after the town hall.
2: Yes, amazing. Um, and
3: if you're looking for live music this weekend... It's Speed Street. How does Chess McDowell listen to live music, (laughs) Clark? Well, Chess McDowell, I'm sure, is going to be there on Saturday because Sticks is headlining. (laughs) That's true. You you do better than that normally. Sticks is going to be there headlining. Sticks. Um, I don't know who else. That's good, man. But, yeah, Speed Street all weekend. Go downtown, listen to some free live music. Come join us on June 4th to talk about music and then go listen to some music. And
2: uh, music everywhere, man. It's everywhere these days. All right. Well, that wraps up another episode of your favorite podcast, the number one global rated podcast recorded out of the government center on the 15th floor. That's R&D in the QC. I'm Tark Bakari. With me as always, the 90 year old man. From the depression area, stuck in a millennial body, Larkin Eggleston. A
3: slightly overweight millennial
2: body. That makes two of us. Uh, Please like the show. Please subscribe if you haven't. Share it with your friends. You know, this is all about you. We appreciate you.
3: I think that's enough.
2: And we'll talk to you next time. Goodbye. Goodbye.